Life is a journey, and eventually, all roads come together. You're listening to Breaking Camp, conversations focusing on our passion for the outdoors, everyday life, learning new things, and growing as people. I'm Bryce Ginther. And I'm Aaron Brenneman. And this is Breaking Camp. Oh, you did. You started it. I started it. We're rolling. (laughs) All right. We're rolling. Here we go. Here we go. Yo, Bryce. How's it going? (laughs) It's good. It's good to see you, man. You too. It's been a long time. I I stopped by the other day, but I didn't catch you. Been been a few weeks, a month or more probably. It's been about a month, yeah. Uh, Busy summer, you know. Uh, August was a blink of an eye for both of us. We did a lot of stuff. A lot of traveling, not on airplanes or anything, but you did some camping, right? Yeah, camping, uh, I did fishing. some camping. Um, you, you did get out of state, though, huh? I, yeah, I did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I went on a road trip. Rotor, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Love me a road trip. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was, um, we survived it, right? Okay. And. I don't know. We didn't have like a family meeting after or anything, but you didn't debrief afterward. No, no. I saw all the photos your your wife took on mm-hmm. wherever I saw them, and mm-hmm. you went to some cool spots. So it looked like yeah, you did some exploring around, and <laughs> yeah. it wasn't just a get there and do a thing, right? Okay. Well, and so it was a road trip. So Make we went to it. Idaho. Uh, went to Eagle. Some friends of ours moved there, uh, which is near Boise, and. Um, so we stopped in Baker City, visited grandparents on mm. our way, spent the night there. I like Baker City. Yeah, it's a great little town. Um, and then we went to Boise from there, and then, and then it it was like about three days of like driving. Like even though it doesn't, you could have driven mm. there in one day, but mm-hmm. how we broke it up and the distances that we went, I reached my capacity, and so I told. I told Amy, I was like, hey, listen, like... Capacity for time in the car? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Because essentially, you know, getting to Baker City, we left, uh, I think, midday, say, when we left here. So it's a a five-and-a-half-ish hour drive, five to five-and-a-half, depending on if you stop or whatever. I thought you had goals to get up and hit the road early. We did, we did. Family stuff happens sometimes, and and so it it took a little longer to get on the road. That's that's just how how it goes sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we did, we got there and so it felt like, it felt like all day traveling. That's why I really do like to leave early if we are going to leave because mm. the buildup to leaving in my mind mm-hmm. is traveling. Okay. Packing yeah. and like this, that, that, you know, when you're milling around and you, and you don't know what you're looking for, but you're, you're sure that when you get to where you're going, you're going to forget something. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, yeah. Oh, yeah, I wish yeah. I would have had blah, blah, blah. Right? Just the, the thinking about things on the way of like, when's it going to hit you what you forgot? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like if I'm going fishing, I grab a couple totes. I know what's in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe, a, you know, two or three rod tubes, whatever I need, and I'm, I can be gone, you yeah. know? And if I'm overnight, you just have to have a cooler Yeah. that's, that's you know full of whatever you need and there's not a lot of packing so anyway but so that day felt like an all-day travel and then uh we got up had breakfast with the grandparents again and they're old so we want to have we want to spend time with them because you know it's just life is short right and you just never know so we weren't in a big hurry leaving and and so we got to boise and it was like three o'clock 
So that's another almost full day, mm, right? Mm-hmm. To get to where we're going, <laughs> you know. So are you, uh, see, because I count travel <laughs> as the day's activity. Like it's a good part of the trip for me, uh-huh. but it's basically, it's the event for the day. Right. Do you view that kind of the same way or you want to get out, get there, start doing stuff? Well, yes, I do want to start doing stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I always want to travel as quick as possible. Okay. And, and it doesn't matter if it's me with no schedule and I'm going to drive from this river to go to a different place, you know, that I want to get there fast, you know? And so you can enjoy the ride. It's just not, I'm not going to drive five under the speed limit Mm. and go, oh my gosh, look at this. Look at these hills. Ugh. Oh, just... look, there's a museum. There. Let's walk. Let's, <laughs> I wonder what they got there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's Never. some of my favorite parts of just yeah. seeing a new country. I yeah. mean, I take new roads anytime I can because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. What's that? It that's is a neat. rare, yeah. rare time that I would be in that space. Okay. Uh, so, and I don't, it's not like I'm like tailgating the guy in front sure. of me to get there. I, uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But it's just like, I'm going to get there. I usually, I'm five to seven over the speed limit. Okay. Depending on traffic, you know, if that allows. And you just roll down the road. Yeah. I oftentimes feel like I'm a minor inconvenience when I tra- travel with other people <laughs> because I'm like yeah. lollygag looking around. Ooh, what's this? I mm. want to go in there. Oh, maybe they have some neat little knickknacks, yeah. stickers. You're going like whatever. two miles an hour under the speed limit in the left hand passing yeah. lane, and the passing lane's only a half a mile long. Yeah. That's you. Well, I mean, I drive that way anyway, <laughs> most all the time. Yeah. But I'm talking about like when I'm in somewhere and I'm, yeah. oh, I want to go check out the maps in this little visitor center here. What brochures can I get? Oh, I need a newspaper yeah. from this place. Yeah. Not everyone rolls like that, and Not I so understand. Much. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It, so it you had good. a rotor. Okay. <clears throat> Did the rotor, saw some things. Uh, we went to the, I believe it's the largest ghost town in the united states Hmm. i think that's what it's called silver city okay um and that was really cool um and and like again bucket list kinds of things for me you know it's like you go there you walk around the you couldn't like go in all the buildings but you could see some of them like they actually have residents that live there and they would um they essentially bought up this property and it's it's like you know handed down or however it's been they're trying to preserve the city because people were going out there and ruining buildings Mm, and stuff mm -hmm. like that you know which is a shame yeah really cool though to see and um just a cool place but it's like i've been there now and i never need to go back (laughs) you know (laughs) and it's like it i don't know if my family and they, they probably feel similar it's like it was, yeah. a, it was, um, man, the rain's really coming down. It is really raining. We're in the shop here and you can hear it on the roof. Yeah. They had a population of about 2,500 and 75 businesses yeah. in its height during the 1880s. So mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. That would be a place that I would go because a minute ago we were talking about, uh, maybe going down to the, I was look. we were looking at some pictures. We we're looking at the Alvord desert, Steens mountain, mm-hmm. that area, uh, kind of, in that general direction out there, Fort Rock. Yeah. You ever been to Fort Rock? I don't believe so. They have a little uh, Fort Rock uh, ghost town. Yeah. Fort Rock Valley Historical Society set up this little ghost town. Super cool. I've been there. 
I'd go back. You can go into all these buildings, and they're kind of set up, period, of how they were. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Put that one on your list for Fort Rock uh, Valley Hom- Homestead Museum. That's super cool. <laughs> oh, like, we were in there. We were taking a bunch of pictures. My mom was teaching. Yeah. Super cool. I think the in Southeast Oregon, like, the, the farthest that direction I've gone is Plush. And the okay. uh, um, there's Heart Mountain Antelope uh, Refuge or something like that, or Wildlife Refuge. Okay. And Heart Mountain is cool. Uh, went on a road trip with my my brother-in-law uh, pretty early into our marriage. You know, I just we we were trying to connect, and mm-hmm. he's a rock hound, and mm-hmm. I was I'm a fisherman, and so we were trying to merge these two things, and it started with a yeah a trip to Montana because he would go to Montana to um, mine for sapphires. Oh, wow, okay. And so I was like, cool, Montana, dude. Like, yeah, trout fishing, you know, like, let's do it. And he was like, there's like a river, like, next to the mine where I go. And I'm like, buddy. And he showed me pictures, you know. Let's go. Well, it went from that to by the time we got the trip plan, he he had uh, basically changed the rock he was going for. He wanted to get sunstones. Mm. And Oregon is the... It's like the capital of the world yeah. for sunstones. Labradorite, I think is what it's called. Okay. And so we went out to this town. So it, it got shifted. Like it was a little bait and switch. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, southeast Oregon? Not a lot of water right Oh, here. okay. You were looking forward to the river in Montana. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, dude, you can mine all day long. I'm going to go fish. You know, we'll, we'll yeah. hook up at night for dinner, all that, you know. And, uh, and he wanted to learn how to fly fish, but I think, you know, you know how that goes. Or it's yeah. like, oh, I want to learn that. But yeah. you're not super serious about it. Or whatever, mm-hmm. so. Anyway, it was a good trip, but that's it's pretty desolate out there. Yeah, it is. There's, There's a, a whole lot, lot of nothing. Yeah. The Alvord's, Alvord Desert is pretty yeah. cool. The Playa is cool. Yeah. Steens Mountain is a neat area. Yeah. I, quite, I haven't been quite to the Steens, but I was real close. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I, I, I had to make an intentional effort to hit more of that quadrant of the state uh-huh. because there's not a lot to do there <laughs> uh, you gotta really like you're not in that area it's right. a bunch of ranches my dad's from yeah uh from the burns area. lived in burns for a while which is down there yeah south i guess it would be east of uh of bend area yeah Hamilton, or prineville and stuff so i like that area not a lot of people i call it waving country like i do better <laughs> when i'm in waving country where people like, wave where people you. wave yeah. like you just drive you you yeah. see vehicles and people so infrequently that you just wave whether yeah. it's somebody out in their yard cutting their grass, you know, right. or you drive by another vehicle. Yeah. You hook the thumb, you do the wave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, 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 maybe this will be another sticker we can put up in the store on the website. There you go. one that says, I'd rather be in waving country. I like that. Breaking camp We'll have podcast. to work that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, that I got, when we were on our road trip in Plush, we mm-hmm. stopped and there is a, a store there. Okay, nice. And it's the store, like, so, you know, convenience slash grocery. Yeah. And um, I bought, <laughs> this thing caught my eye at the register. It's uh, like a beer koozie, you know, those mm-hmm. little foam things. And it says, Plush, Oregon, a drinking town with a cattle problem. <laughs> As I had to one. buy it. It was yeah. just funny. So that pretty much sums up the town. Okay. So, well, yeah. I have not been to Plush. I'll have to check it out. But anyway, yeah. so Rotor, yeah. overall pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's, I mean, it feels like the blink of an eye, August <laughs> went by. Um, so and now we're halfway into 
September. I get I was over in Central Oregon for a while. I mm-hmm. was up in the northeast corner of the state, out at uh, Joseph, outside of Joseph Wallowa Lake area. Yeah, um, spent some time over there. Then I, this was kind of neat. I took a all day crisscross the state, one extreme to the other. So I went from oh. I don't know if I told you this. I went from Joseph and drove. All the way to Gold Beach in a day. In a day on a Wednesday, it was like twelve-hour drive. Talk it would have been nice to have scenic. seen a little bit more of mm-hmm. that coastal South area. I got through Coos Bay, and it was already dark by then. But oh, bummer! Yeah, so it was a nice comeback. I took my time coming back. Went up to Florence, and mm-hmm. but I went down, uh, met up a, with a buddy there. We fished the mouth of the Rogue for mm-hmm. a couple of days. That was really nice. Uh, How was that? Was that any good? I mean, it's one of those. It's a different kind of fishery, right? Yeah. It's It's like you got an area that chokes down right at the mouth, and you got a sandbar, and it's maybe 100 feet, 150 feet wide, hmm. and you have 75 boats oh. trolling through in this little pattern. Go down on the, the jetty side, and then yeah. turn around before you hit the ocean and come back up. All salmon fishing, right? Yeah, yeah. which is just a ton of boats in a small space. And yeah. uh, we hooked up, uh, ended up losing it, but it was saw a bunch of fish caught, and mm-hmm. I was just with my buddy kind of trying to figure out the fishery a little bit. He wanted to go, so I went down yeah. there. Yeah. Helped him out with the boat and mm-hmm. did that. That was fun. Um, but it's just a mess, you know. Anytime somebody gets fish on, it's like yeah. boats scatter. They're sideways. Everybody's in everybody's way. And, you know, if everybody, if nobody's catching fish and everybody's doing what they're <laughs> supposed to do, it's fine. It's an all-skate in want, the regular direction. Yeah, you yeah. want people catching fish and people are catching fish. And yeah. so, but it was fun. So I did that. And then I had to back up the coast. And that was good. Spent uh, some time... Just kind of getting out, camping. Went backpacking. So yeah. that was nice. Over Labor Day weekend, went up to an area. We had a pretty massive storm here on Labor Day this year. Yeah. Uh, so I was up on Friday through Sunday before that. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I can say the area because it's all burned and destroyed. And you oh, can't get so there anyway, sad. which is super sad. Been mm-hmm. been grieving a lot of that lately. Um, yeah. But we were up in the Olali Lakes Basin and we camped at Gifford Lake and hiked in there and it's super cool. We came in from the far side, and so we walked by like six lakes on the way in and <coughs> ate yeah. huckleberries the entire way in <sighs> and camped there, caught fish, ate fish. It was good. Cool. Um, but now it's all closed, and yep. And I guess that kind of nearly brings us up to today, where we are today. So yeah. amid our yeah. worldwide pandemic, which has shut down pretty much everything and changed mm-hmm. everything about what we do and where we go and how we do it, uh, we have had massive wildfires yeah. raging here in in our area, pretty pretty close to the urban area. Typically, Oregon is prone to wildfires, you know, yeah. but they tend to be <clears throat> central Oregon, eastern Oregon, yeah. um, in areas that aren't n- near this near in proximity. This year, we had two major fires: yeah. Riverside Fire um, down Beachy Creek n- near Riverside, the, outside of Estacada. Yeah, uh, Beachy Creek was one. What was the... And then you got the the lion's head. Lion's head. That was the other one I was thinking of. That was the fire that we could actually see when we were backpacking mm-hmm. near Olali. It was kind of between Mount Hood and, and mm-hmm. Jefferson. Mm-hmm. It started on the reservation and grew quite a bit while we were there. Yeah. And this this weather event, which started as historic windstorm. You know, yeah. we'll get those in the winter. Yeah. When everything is waterlogged and, and soggy yeah. here, and so like trees will fall down, power lines go down, lose power, not uncommon. Sure. Uh, but for that type of a storm to come in that that weather pattern, mm-hmm. with the winds it did in the summer, started a lot of fires, spot fires from power lines going down. But I think mm-hmm. there was also some uh, human caused fires as well that 
yeah. just exploded like they do more so down in California yeah. when you get the Santa Ana winds and they just, you'll get a spot fire and it just erupts because yeah. it's so windy in a tinderbox. And, um, I was talking so. with somebody and they were talking about like the, every once in a while, every, I don't know, decade or whatever it is, we will get reverse wind, like reverse weather patterns. Hmm. And, and so what they, what they say is, you know, as trees grow, you know, you've seen this, especially at the coast, mm-hmm. you know, you'll see trees grow toward the wind, you know, they sort of, their root systems grow to, um, strengthen the tree because the wind is usually almost always coming from mm-hmm. the ocean to the land. And when you get a reverse pattern, there's no strength in the tree going the other way. Mm. And so they just tip over. Got yeah. And so... That's somebody was mentioning the same thing had been happening here Hmm. where trees were falling over that really didn't seem like they would, like they would be Hmm. the, you know, trees that would. And so of course, like you're saying, falling on power lines and and the sparking that goes on, everything's been just such a dry summer. And so, so, yeah, we were just living in a tinderbox and you know, the, the nice thing about Oregon is we have all this green vegetation. Well, when we have dry summers, like we did, all that vegetation dries out and, you know, it's just mm-hmm. a perfect storm. So, yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm close. I'm, I'm here and, uh, Sandy is where I'm at. And so we did, yeah, we and, might want to mention that we did get to, yeah. I don't know if you got to a level three. I know we got to a level yeah. two to two is as much as it went. The about two miles away level one. was, was level three, right? So it went from level one. Because isn't one the get, get up and go? No, one is is, is like it's get like, ready. You're right. Level two is get set, and then level three is go. It's like burns, yeah. right? It's the, mm-hmm. as the number gets higher, the worse it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously, Eagle Creek and, or uh, Estacada first, you know, has been level. It's probably still level three. I haven't checked, but I think um, that they were actually. Um, pretty either today or pretty soon going to be going back down to a level two. So I haven't checked it either. Yeah. Um, but, our- but it was very early, like during that windstorm, uh, when the fires got real serious, um, you know, things went to evacuation, uh, really quickly in that area and then, um, came west or Northwest kind of, uh, up highway 224 and all that. And, and so to Eagle Creek and Eagle Creek was evacuating. We have some friends that live in Eagle Creek and they had a big fire down there. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, you know, the, the one, you know, everybody's wondering, is it going to come all the way up the Clackamas river? Is it going to come up uh, into Sandy? Nobody really knew. Mm-hmm. So people were, and I mean, the smoke That's the was doubt, just the so Dowdy bad. The Dowdy Road fire in Estacada? Yeah, in Dowdy Eagle, Eagle Creek, Dowdy yeah. Road. Okay, <clears throat> yep. so it looks like Estacated Town proper did go back to level two. So. Okay, well that's good. That's good to know. Yesterday, I believe it was still in three. Yeah, because so. everything as they as those winds and these fires were just going, they pulled fire, firefighters yeah. off the front line, and yeah. we didn't know what was going to happen at that point. I guess right. last week. Yeah, and what was what was really cool about you know in the midst of all this, you know, obviously the firefighters are there and they're, you know, attacking them and stuff like that. But what I was impressed with was the local effort with Mm -hmm. neighbors, uh, logging companies, uh, logging companies, a lot of times they'll contract with the forest service. And so 
you know, they're, or I don't know exactly how, what you'd call it, but they basically are placed under the jurisdiction of Forest Service. And so they get to deploy them to different areas and all that kind of stuff. But logging companies are constantly dealing with little fires in the woods. They know how to fight fire. Mm -hmm. They're very good at it. And it's grassroots small crews, right? So they know how to get a lot of work done with few people. Um, And, you know, wildland firefighters are trained on how to fight that specific type of fire. You know, you get your, um, you know, your local agencies that are trained in structural fire. That's not their forte. And it's not a bad, it's not, I'm not bad mouthing them, but. It's just not what they're dealing with. They really don't know how to attack a forest fire. And so they're, they're there and they're, you know, their primary focus is to protect structures. And, um, and then you have homeowners that are trying to protect structures, but they're, they're also saying, Hey, we also know the lay of this land, and if it gets here and jumps into this mm-hmm. this stand of trees and this over to this tree farm, you know you're going to lose three to four houses. And mm-hmm. so, um, so what was interesting was um, actually listening to friends of ours that that had a lot of local effort and how coordinated their mm-hmm. their um, you know their efforts were together to to save houses mm-hmm. and. Um, I think to my knowledge down in the Eagle Creek area, there was only one house, maybe two, I think, that, that were lost. Um, but Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of that in, in Estacada yeah. and in Malala. Yeah. Uh, there's been those stories of just yeah. just some country folks that are going to head on out and we're going right. to fight this and we're going to do it. And, and we're not, it says evacuate, but no, we're going to stay here and yeah. fight this thing and we're going to be resources in the field. So it's been awesome to see those yeah. cool stories coming well, through. Well, people with equipment just showing up, mm-hmm. right? And so all of a sudden you have a cat that's bulldozing a road through properties and, you know, people are like, just take fences. We don't care. Just go right through them, go through yeah. trees. And the equipment just sort of shows up. Like that's amazing that mm-hmm. that people um, put their own you know, assets mm-hmm. at risk because, I mean, <laughs> you get into a place where you got to abandon equipment, it's lost, yeah. you know, and it's done. So, so it's a lot cool. of that too with uh, <clears throat> livestock transportation. Yeah. Just people showing up w- yeah. in these rural areas where people have horses and cattle and mm-hmm. showing up bringing trailers uh, from yeah. other parts of the area that are unaffected and showing up to do the work. So it's really been cool to see the way people have shown up in the community and the, it's, I don't want to be too much of a bummer, but it, it feels really good in this mm-hmm. moment of like the, we're in the, we're all in this together. Right. You right. know, we, right. in the beginning of the pandemic, we had this moment of, you know, we're all in this together. And we, over the past six months have seen what a mess that has degraded into. Right. But we've got it back here in this thing. We're, we've rallied around a shared, um, circumstance and suffering that people show up and you see the good in humanity you see the good in people you see the way that people are everyday heroes and and bold and courageous and yeah. showing up to do the work and so it's awesome to be in that time i just right well and I, I hope we it, can stick there for a while and it yeah i think some good conversations are taking place right now is you know what kind of local efforts do we need to solidify to be prepared for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And granted, you know, typically these kinds of disasters are spread out. But, I mean, it wasn't too many years ago where there was another big fire in Estacada, the pit fires. With the, mm-hmm. I can't remember. There's a number attached to it. I can't remember it at the top of my head. But um, but it was not anywhere near the size of these fires. But it was a yeah. big one. 
And at that time, they were wondering, like, uh, are we going to have to evacuate any any homes in, in Estacada? Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, it's I think it's that's the good stuff that comes out of these. It's like, hey, what other type of organized um, local protection can we mm-hmm. can we contribute to 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 help out? Because clearly, the government agencies don't. You know, like when you get to certain levels of, of you know, emergency, you'll get federal support. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we're talking like hundreds of thousands of acres of, of forest, potentially homes, yeah. potentially lives lost. All these things have to happen first to get there. And so I think that's what the uh, what I'm hearing is the overwhelming feedback of like, well, I think if we were more organized we could have stopped a lot of these things early. Yeah, and I mean, I have I sit in on on some of these conversations where at the school where I teach do wilderness skills is it technically falls under the wilderness fire program. So I'm in these meetings and and I hear from uh, people that come in from Forest Service, private mm-hmm. contractors, all this sort of stuff. So I kind of have understood it theoretically, but yeah. now I see the devastation of what can happen when you have all of these issues converging, right? Mm-hmm. You have policy, you have funding, you have resource management, you have private private timber, public lands, um, right. and then you have, you know, the, the Forest Service task to protect and, and, and fiscally uh, responsible for different things. And right. so it's really interesting to see, like, how all of, right, it's, it's all, it's, it's not politics in the typical sense, but mm-hmm. it's, like, political, and it's all of these behind the, the scenes decisions and yeah. things that come from decades of management policy in a certain way for certain reasons right. that have kind of gotten us to a spot. So those conversations are starting to happen a little bit more. And I think right. that that's really interesting. And, and maybe there's some positive outcomes out of that. It's crazy. But yeah, that, that Clackamas River area, that canyon, I mean, that's an area that we spend, I would imagine we both spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. We've grown up in this area a great fishery on the Clackamas River. We have lakes in those areas. So mm-hmm. that's a road I've taken oh, hundreds yeah. of times. And I was coming back on Sunday just before this wind event. And, and it might have been Sunday when the wind came through, or was it Monday? It was forecasted to start Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Didn't actually come until like overnight <laughs> or the next day. Well, I know that here I was actually digging fence. Digging posts. fence. So I think it was Monday that it came because... I rented this auger, mm-hmm. and it wasn't wasn't until afternoon when the wind started blowing on Monday. Okay, and when it blew, I was, you know, it's like we hear weather yeah. reports all the time, and they don't pan out. So we're just like, whatever, wind, whatever, yeah. wind, who cares, wind? Yeah. And it it came through, and you could, it was crazy. Yeah, like I was like, uh, we 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 had pretty good sized branches around us on neighboring yeah. properties, um, going down, and we'd see them. And I've got here. We are standing in a a little grove of trees, putting up fence and drilling holes and stuff. Me and my son and my wife. And I'm like, hey, if the wind shifts direction, you need to be out of here because mm-hmm. right at the moment it was blowing away from where we were working. Got so it. any yeah. down tree would just fall into the trees or whatever, would be fine. But I'm going, man, if it shifts. This could be bad. It was crazy. It was blowing. You had to button down the hatches. Like, I mean, yeah. I would imagine you had stuff blowing everywhere around yeah. here, you know? Yeah. Go chase stuff down in the, the pastures and <laughs> a little it bit. Got crazy. Thank goodness we kind of, you know, any umbrellas for like patio kind of things, we'd kind of 
you know, close them up and stuff. And we really didn't have a ton of stuff blow all around, which was nice. Mm. But um, we were just expecting, we were just kind of waiting, like, oh, one of our trees is going to go down, like, yeah. eventually. And we just had a couple of branches, like nothing big. Oh, that's good. Which was great. Yeah, I'd so, move my rigs into the barn, so just in case trees started coming down. Yeah. Didn't have to deal we with We have that. a bunch of maple trees, and those are kind of whippy. You know, they don't... Yeah. If, as long as they're green and stuff like that, their branches kind of, they move a lot. So. Yeah. So did you guys actually, I know, so I ended up, uh, when we went to level two, I mm-hmm. was actually in town. I was over at Cora's and when they moved us to level two, we were just like, it was starting to get smoky. And mm-hmm. so we, we took off. I had been scheduled to go down to the beach, mm-hmm. do some fishing. Uh, got a buddy who lives on the Nestucca. And so we had been scheduled to go down there, pushed it off a little bit. Yeah. But once we went to level two, I jumped over there. Cora went over to. Yeah. Hillsboroughish area and kind of yeah we hung around smoke and helped locally just with people evacuating and mm-hmm. um, you know they're just in parking lots and and so we just we we stuck around and and you know I didn't want to I guess abandon ship here you know we actually took on fostering a couple goats for a friend mm-hmm. who evacuated and um, you know that's why we're putting fences up right now so we can do some goats and alpacas and stuff alpacas. like that alpacas yeah <laughs> so we were like well we threw up just this little tiny fenced area you know maybe 15 foot circle and it they were fine you know and 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 uh obviously you feel for the animals because they're out in this terrible air the mm-hmm. air quality was awful um but i mean there really wasn't anywhere within a 30 mile radius that you could, I don't even maybe bigger than that. Like it was all the way to the coast, you yeah. know, uh, that, that the smoke was unhealthy levels. So oh, what's your number? What, what was the <laughs> yeah, highest number? Did, Did you know. see the number? Today? Yeah. Jeez. I haven't, number? I haven't looked we at down the AQI 40, today. 40 points today. I got to, I can't be out too high. Oh. oh man. I was just laughing at that. But you, so you didn't leave, <laughs> but you also probably got to the point of like grabbing some stuff. Oh yeah. We were ready. ready. Like yeah. that's a, yeah. That's not a thing that I had ever had to experience mm-hmm. when it's like, okay, if this if this ship goes down here, mm-hmm. what am I taking with me? So to totally. to go around and and grab some documents. Yeah. Grab a few personal things. Um it just yeah. gave me a different perspective on the like, okay, you know, what do I really yeah. need? I mean, there was there was <laughs> some documents. I didn't need much, you know, uh-huh. there were some documents. There was uh guns for my grandpa you know Mm -hmm. and there was my my mom's bible you know Mm -hmm. some little stuff like that that is not yeah probably worth anything but it's irreplaceable yeah um that's what we did but it was just kind of an interesting thing to be like okay none of this stuff is really that important right but on a day-to-day base you know basis it's like all this stuff's important like i didn't even take a rod i was like i could replace all of that stuff i had a couple in my truck they're always in there Mm mm-hmm and and I knew that the, the like and I have a I have one particular fly rod that's got sentimental value to yeah. me. Other than that, I really don't care. But yeah. they happen to be in my truck anyway, so I'm like, whatever. I'm not going to freak out. Uh, I'm not going to go get more. You yeah. know, not going to go get more. Not going to take it out. It's in there. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. And I mean, anything in my shop, I was just like, it's all replaceable, yeah. all of it. And so we boiled it down real quick. Literally, the first thing Amy grabbed. She went into our, um, I guess our, we call it the next door house, you know, like the storage mm-hmm. area. And um, 
she grabbed the the photo albums from the the kids because she used to scrapbook, mm. you know, back mm-hmm. and like with like physical albums, and those pictures they're not backed up digitally, yeah, and and that you know those are just memories you know that, that she grabbed, and so I mean we had like, I think there was like three boxes of just photos wow. and and albums and stuff, and so we had those ready. We, of course, then we got our important papers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm the same as you. I've got like, I've got like about, I don't know, I'll just, we'll say a handful. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I don't have a ton of guns, uh, but I have some. And and I'm like, I would like to protect those. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the ammunition, just for a safety thing, sure, right? Because you don't yeah. want to blow up and mm-hmm. stuff in a fire. And and so, but again, it's like that's not. It's not like I need a trailer to to haul that away, yeah. right? And we packed a bag of clothes. I thought the funny thing was, you know, if you think about go in your closet, you have two minutes and pa- pack a go bag. And I think most people would be like, wait, what? Like, I can't, I got to take it all, right? My yeah. clothes. Amy said it so good. She was like, because I didn't pack yet. She had packed. And she goes, you know, I just went in my closet and I just kind of grabbed my favorite things. And I was like, oh, that's a cool, I'll, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I grabbed two pairs of jeans because I'm like, well, I just need something, right? I need some jeans. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at my closet and I was like, man, I don't need any of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, what are my favorites? And I'm like, yeah. I don't really have favorites. And so I grabbed some practical things that like, well, if I needed for whatever reason, protection from the elements, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, here's this or that couple t-shirts, underwear, some socks. And I'm like, all right, I was packed in five minutes yeah, and with a little bit of head scratching. And I'm like, well, that was easy. And it's weird. Like when you start looking at that, you go, yeah, we don't, I mean, yeah, it would be sad and hard to like, if you were to lose your home, yeah. nobody wants yeah. to go through that. But you, you, you're just, you're glad that your people are safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got animals in, even of our chickens, like we're down to like 19 now, like coyotes keep picking them off, mm. but we've only got about three chickens that have names and literally, you know, Amy goes, uh, well, we'll grab Hattie, we'll grab Hatch and maybe Cinderella. That's the other little, little silky. <laughs> That have names, mm-hmm. and we'll grab the rabbit that's smoky, and we're gone. Like everything else, we'll cut it loose, and it's got to fend for itself. Yeah, you know. And probably we would grab the the cats because we've got our barn cats. A couple of them are kittens still, and so we would have thrown them in a carrier or something. But like, I'm not bringing 19 chickens. Yeah, you know, somewhere if I had to leave. Yeah, I have a friend who took. Uh, I think she's got 46 chickens. She's got two horses. Yeah. Three goats. Packed them all up. <laughs> Took them. Yeah. Took them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we we were in this uncertain period of we didn't know what was going to happen. Like nope. the winds were crazy, super dry, fires were exploding. Um, we're fortunately, you know, most of the populated areas around here yeah. uh, weren't affected yeah. as they could have been. But throughout the state, we had yeah. some areas completely wiped off the map. I mean, Detroit, yeah. Oregon... Adana, uh, Blue yeah. River, uh, Phoenix Talent, you know, all of these areas are just, again, mm-hmm. um, 
to watch to see video and photos start to roll in of the devastation. It's yeah. crazy because it looks like California. We've been seeing this stuff happen in California yeah. for a long Where time. Where streets but are But it gone. doesn't happen here. Yeah. You know, it, and at least it hasn't yet or yeah. recently yeah. in memory. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll t- it's going to take so long for some of these major roads, Highway 20, Highway yeah. 224, to open back up again right. because guardrails, safety, infrastructure, trees, rocks, sure. landslides, all of that. But to go through like mm-hmm. an area, uh, Highway 20 cuts from the east to the west side of the mountains from Salem to Sisters area yeah. and uh, completely toast. I mean, gone. Yeah. That whole town is just gone. I have a friend who had a, a ministry chapel building there, and it's gone. Mm. And so... Well, we've seen a lot of devastation. Fortunately, there has not been, there has been loss of life, but there hasn't been tremendous loss of life. So that's really good um, from information sharing and just first responders, people that are out there and and just regular everyday Joes, right? You know, Mm -hmm. going and saving their neighbors and driving up and down the street. And uh, I had a friend who got evac'd out of Silverton was telling me that, uh, you know, we First of all, love social media, right? Great positive <laughs> discord on there all the time. And uh, they had a fire Are sparked by a train. It kind of sounded yeah. like you were a little, a little sarcastic. A there. fire <laughs> started from a one of you know a, one of the big power transformer things. transformer things yeah. right near their house. So like they heard it, looked out the window, saw the flames, had to yeah. go. One of their neighbors is driving up and down their road, and they're rural outside of Silverton, driving up and down their road, honking their horns, yeah. you know, trying to get people's attention, get out of there. Somebody goes on next door and says, who's who's driving around honking? Why don't they just be quiet? Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> so, yeah. but a lot of people, you know, just stepping stepping up and yeah. and not just uh, looking out for themselves. And, it, and it's awesome to see community at work. It's yeah. it's awesome to see selflessness and, and yeah. in that capacity. So hopefully we're over the brunt of that, but that's been the last, I don't even, two weeks, I guess now. Is that, yeah. that was last uh, week? I guess it was last week. Last Monday, Tuesday. So, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Been been a crazy su- I mean 2020, what's next? Right? I know. Like, it's serious. It's we, just layer. It's I the other day I was talking about it. I'm like this is sort of like Google Maps with layers. Mm. 2020 is like Google Maps. And we keep turning on the layers. Mm. And so, you know, it just one thing on top of the next on top of the next and you have too much information, too much yeah. too much crap going on and um you know, and I really we are feeling it as a just entire society. Mm. And, um, and I, and I think like you just said, social media, I mean, it just, nothing good, it, you know, to speak other than a random thing here and there, it's kind of like a candle in a wind, you know, nothing good is, is being, is out there. It's, it's all inflammatory, mm-hmm. you know, and polarized. And oh my gosh, uh, we just watched our family. Uh, Amy and I we're gonna have our kids watch it with us. We watched that um, social media social dilemma. Yeah, mm-hmm. the social social dilemma. Yeah. Um, really illuminating. It's not like you were sitting there going, "No way," right? Yeah. But I think it's. I think every family should watch it. Uh, not just families, but people. We mm-hmm. need to. We need to recognize like how uh manipulative uh social media and just any computer driven ai driven uh you know platform Mm. is and and that's i think that was the i don't want to be like spoiler alert or anything you know like spoil the message but i think the it's not saying too much to say 
the people who created all this, it has gotten far beyond what they ever intended for it to do. Yeah, like it's a tool, but it's a tool for manipulation, and it's been uh, yeah. If when we don't use it with intention, yeah. we are subject to right. the psychological and and scientific forces yeah. at work there in our brains and thoughts and bodies, which yeah. are not good. Well, the guy, the guy who was in charge of uh, creating and designing the like button mm-hmm. for Facebook, basically was like the reason we did this was to be kind. And to make people feel good. Because you could like something. It's positive. Yeah. And it's created social anxiety to the point where teenagers are taking their lives. It's crazy. And so he goes, you can see like the disappointment in these guys that are creating this stuff. They're just devastated to the point where they're so, they're just like, we've got to regulate this. So anyway. I would, got, yeah, because a lot of the people that have were in the, involved in the early tech. Mm-hmm have left that and have yeah. kind of gone to become evangelists for uh, what is what this is actually doing to our society and culture and, and individually. Yeah. yeah, Tristan Harris, uh, uh, one of the guys that's yeah. featured in that that movie you were talking about, has mm-hmm. a podcast called Your Undivided Attention, which is really good, mm-hmm. um, that talks a lot about these forces, like their slot machines, right? It's like yeah. the, you, you swipe and you wait and it's like, what what's am gonna I going to get here? It's yeah. the same thing like with email, right? I click mm-hmm. it and what, what's coming in? I'm mm-hmm. rolling the dice. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? And, mm-hmm. and and you have, there was something I was listening to from NPR yesterday that was uh, talking about how, you know, we should uh, we should define this as it is. It's not free speech. It's market manipulated speech because it is, right. it is putting the profits and the likes and the engagement in these inflammatory, divisive, yeah. polarized topics. And yeah. it's, we are none the better for it. No, and it's and it's unique to each user. Yeah. I'm going, wow. That that right there, mm-hmm. your feed is tailored to you. So when you get upset, I'm not seeing the same thing. Yeah. And so that's what it talks a lot about is yeah. like trying to trying to see this from the experience that people are having. Yeah. That my experience is not theirs yes. and yours, right? And so it just adds to the divide, you know, of like, how can you not be upset like me? And it's literally because they don't see what you see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. I mean, I don't know. It's so crazy. yeah, that's a crazy one. I oftentimes will, when uh, when when I am not so happy with the way social media in the world is, I will often go through and, and look at my feeds, mm-hmm. like things I've posted, mm-hmm. because I... I'm like this person really knows me. This is some good. This <laughs> yeah. is some good stuff here. But like my Twitter feed is like right. all of these pieces of information that are like it's it's interesting because yeah. obviously I put it up there. Mm-hmm. But that's a real interesting thing too. Like mm-hmm. if you want to look at like how am I doing in this thing called the world and life? Yeah. Like you right. might go and look at your activity, what you're posting, what right. you're commenting. Like what are you putting out there? Right. Not just what are you consuming. Yeah. But like what am I doing? Right. Am I am I sharing good positive stuff? Am I sharing educational and informative things? Am I spreading hate? Am I right. am I divisive and fighting and argumentative all the time? Sure, like, right. That's a good. It's kind of like the audit of engagement that you are having personally with all of your channels, right? And it could be good or it can be you know mm-hmm. contributing to the way the world is. You know? <laughs> So we'll see. So yeah, I was writing up a thing the other day and, and I sent it over to a buddy and he's like, you 
you forgot the murder hornet. And I'm like, dang it, I the did murder- the murder hornet. We almost how quickly we forget. <laughs> My gosh, it's like it. It's like it wasn't really a threat. Yeah, that's weird. But I, I, I wrote this. I want to read this because I really. After I read it and I was doing my proof and I was looking at the sentence, I was like, "That's a I, I like the sentence." You're gonna read it to us. I'm gonna read it. I'm oh, gonna do a little read here. here. One it. other time during the pod, I a podcast. Mm-hmm. I brought a, uh, yeah. I brought a poem. Oh, I never read it though. Well, maybe we'll get oh, to that some other it? day. I never. It never came up. It never was at the right spot. But this Maybe-y-y-y. sentence, I really, uh, I just, I was like, oh, that that kind of sums it up. So it says. I was writing on the ripples of coronavirus okay. and how they come out into all areas of our life, right? right like, it's right. everything. It's work, it's home, it's it's school, it's birth and life, and it's death, right? Like, mm-hmm. those things, we're not around people, community, we're isolated. Yeah. We've, we've lost our co-regulating function because we're not around people and mm-hmm. stuff like this. So, basically, the sentence says... Uh, all of this exists within a period of time flooded with political chaos, social media noise, intentional misinformation, all balancing like the end of a Jenga game over the backdrop of, a so- of social justice unrest and economic uncertainty, while many slide into anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. We are all the metaphorical glasses of dirty water under constant agitation. Hmm. Like the glass, you know, it's like you just let it sit and settle. Mm-hmm. We never get to the settled point mm-hmm. because there's so much and these ripples are in every area of yeah. political of health the the pandemic the fires yeah it's like what's next yeah it's, yeah, it's crazy thanks you for know? sharing that's actually cool so, yeah that that is it's a similar word picture of like that like layers of a map you know mm-hmm. and, and it it just gets cloudy you know, and it, there's too much information. There's too many demands put on your your brain, really. It's like there isn't an, an off switch. Yeah. And we, you know, it's like we can't, you know, you can't stay in a constant state of like an adrenaline rush, right? Yeah. And you can't stay in a constant state of, of um, you know, awareness of all of the things going on and so what happens is we break down we're the weak link in this whole thing yeah our psyche you know and i that's the thing i was we were i was in a meeting the other day we were talking it was just like in the meeting they were checking in on everybody like how's everyone doing Mm -hmm. and it was just crickets you know nobody wants to say and there was a couple things shared. Nobody wants to really pipe up first and give permission to ev- for everybody yeah. else to be real in that. Yeah. So I said, uh, hey, guys, um, here's my two cents, you know. And I just essentially, I said, you know, no one is doing well. We're all struggling. Every marriage, every relationship, every work situation every child, every parent with child relationship, it's all, it's all bad right now. Challenge to some, nothing is, is exceptionally well. Like it's a continuum and a spectrum and some, we're all in there somewhere. Yeah. You can pick like any, like take some sort of, you know, 2008 when the housing bubble burst finally, Mm -hmm. right? And it was terrible. That was a huge recession. You know, families were divorcing. Businesses were just evaporating into Mm -hmm. nothing, right? People were losing their houses because they were in houses that they couldn't afford anyway. And it was a bad time. And But there were people in the midst of that that were absolutely thriving, right? Mm Because the actual people that were not living upside down were buying up property like it was free. Yeah. And, um, And so in every... 
you know, crisis like that, there's typically a group that's thriving and and then a group that's not and some in between. Right now, I my my assessment is that no one's thriving. Yeah, we're all subject to all of this, and so. And that's that concept is just rippling out into everything. There is not an yeah. area of our lives or world yeah. that has not been affected by right. pandemic and economic situations and job loss. And now it's like that. Just the next layer is the wildfires. And right. Yeah. What's next? Right. And then the other day I was, you know, news that doesn't affect us here in the Northwest, but oh, yeah. news nonetheless is um, there's hurricane season starting up. And there's like, I, I saw the other day on the news, there was like four or five, four or five tropical yeah. storms coming. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like they're joining up and yeah, yeah it's What's, crazy. What is happening? You know? So yeah, it's, uh, it's nuts. Anyway. Yeah. You know, if you didn't, if, and and we have so much access to information and it's like, you know, I, I got to keep informed. I got to know what's going on, but we're overwhelmed to the point and that disconnection and that rest and getting out to the going backpacking for yeah. just a couple of days was able, you know, no phone service, no nothing. Two days feels like two weeks. Right. And so just our devices, our social media, like being able to set parameters around those and being intentional yeah. is huge for mental health because we, we all got to find that space and that place of somewhere where we can get back to peace uh, and rest um, and and calm and quiet because the world that we're in, yeah. we're not getting there in any direction. So How's that for a 48-minute intro? Whoa, are we going to let's good. start the show? Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, Hey, let's, uh, that's catching you up. Let's, uh, let's take a break here and, um, let's do a little camp coffee. What do you say? Okay. So today for camp coffee, um, we do a little bit different. Um, nothing special about per se, like the coffee itself, uh, the bean or Is the ubon. Ubon, <laughs> not yet. We're saving that one. Oh, okay, that, we're gonna good, do good, that good, one good. though. We're, we're gonna get there. Ubon coffee in a can. Yeah, you gotta love that stuff, kind of, but you don't. <laughs> gets the job done. Yeah. It's the vehicle. I for remember one, when I first said, you know, I just drink it for effect. You're like, well, that's addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it wasn't, I wasn't shaming It was not you. judgmental. Was, it yeah. was, no, it was eye-opening for me. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily drink it for, as we will discuss, all the reasons I, you Why do. I drink But up. there's a part yeah. of that in, mm-hmm. like, by nature, like, yeah. it is a drug that does a thing, yeah. and that's a part of it. Yes. So, but anyway. I love the drug of caffeine. Okay. It's a good, I do. I really do. Drug. Um. So, you know, I think... Some of the things I'm going to talk about some things about coffee that I like as much as the taste of coffee. Mm, okay. All right. So the just like the sounds and the smells that happen when coffee's being made. Mm. Um and and coffee is no different than lots of things um like for example uh people that like the smell of like a cigar or a pipe or mm. some people even like the smell of cigarettes i mm-hmm. I, I don't pr- really like that smell but but like it doesn't annoy those me those people that like the smell of cigarettes are loving it the last couple of weeks i know <laughs> right it's like outside it smells like yeah that. yeah but like if you walk by some guy and he's smoking yeah. a pipe or something and the smell of pipe mm-hmm. smoke 
way different than the flavor of it. Yeah. Re- way, yeah. way different. Um, and, and so coffee is sort of similar to me. Like when, when somebody's making um, coffee and like, mm-hmm. let's say, let's say Amy gets up and she decides to put the coffee on and she makes it and I happen to stay in bed. It's, it's got that, it's got an amazing smell as it gets back to the bedroom. Right? All as it I am reaches. envisioning is a Folgers commercial right now because you have out, the, the things you love are what they nailed the in those part of waking up. up. You know, and like the person smells it from bed, comes to the other room, yeah. right? Like yeah. you are describing the well, Folgers commercial. The, they nailed it. The ad wizards that came up with, isn't that a Seinfeld line? Who are the ad wizards yeah. to come up with that one? Yeah. Um, they're good at their job. Yeah. They're really good. So yes, the, like I, I can't really say that I love the sound of grinding coffee. I don't know if many people do. Although, as a kid, I can remember camping. Went to a family camp every year, um, and there was this particular lady, um, and Mrs. Weimer, and she would make coffee, um, and they had this big white stag tent with the big like the the peaked <laughs> roof, and then the the sides had the peak too. It was really yeah. like classic tent. A big canvas like thing. Canvas elk hunting tent. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't an open bottom one, but it was definitely like mm. you know that mm-hmm. family style tent of the seventies, and um and she would always they had this awning they always had set up, and so it was always they were because it was at the coast it always rained yeah. so at some point during the week. Those are a great find at garage sales if you oh, can find dear. one that's been well taken care of so and stored. Good. Yeah. So they're worth a lot. Because nobody wants nobody wants to use it really. No, they're like a hundred pounds to to yeah. drag around. That was their setup, and mm. she would make coffee every morning, and she always ground it that day, right mm. then, mm-hmm. right when she would make it. So, and she was an early riser. Yeah. So at five thirty, every day, you know, just this. <laughs> I mean, and she didn't care. Like yeah. people would give her so much crap about it, and she's just like, "Well, you're welcome. You can have some <laughs> coffee." We it's time to get up, but you can't grind it the day before. I know. I was just night. like, hey, like grind it before your trip. Yeah. Like, how hard is that? You know. Core got a new uh, a manual hand grinder for mm-hmm. the arrow arrow press. Oh, that put the yeah. beans in and grind it right in the arrow. So it like in there. fits in yeah. there. Yeah. Is it from AeroPress? Uh, I don't know exactly who made it. My my favorite ASMR mm-hmm. firebox stove guy sells yeah. it on his website. Oh, right on. Um, yeah, I, I just, arrow presses are, are awesome. They make a good cup of coffee. We'll put that, maybe producer Jack can put that in the show notes, the, the link directly. <laughs> the link to the arrow press? To the arrow press uh, hey, grinder. Grab that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I don't know. I think that's especially, uh, in light of, you know, all the stuff we talked about in this episode and just mm-hmm. how heavy life is, mm. you know, right now. Sometimes it's like so refreshing to uh, appreciate something so simple. And it's like, you know, uh, the way we do coffee most of the time is, you know, we have like one of those water pots. We do pour over essentially. And so you boil the water, you know, and so you can hear as the kettle starts to kind of boil. It doesn't whistle, but you can just hear it bubbling. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you start pouring that over the grounds, you know, the house kind of fills up with that smell. And it's just awesome. You know, it's just the best. Yeah. So, and then if you are the one who's not making it, you smell it more because you're not in, mm-hmm. right in mm-hmm. it on top mm-hmm. of it. So those like, 
you know, uh, the distance aromas of, oh, it's just the best, man. So yeah, good. you didn't mention the part, you know, when you got like the, the little blue aluminum coffee percolator. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention the part of checking the coffee 16 times to see if it's done yet. Because that's a part of it too. <laughs> nope, still looks like iced tea. Yeah, those. Are you talking about the like the camping, the camping enamel? And, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of them. The percolator kind. Yeah, it has it has a glass bead on yeah. the top that allows you to see it. And... So most, I would say. Well, I don't know. I, I I about said most people don't use those right. I'll just say I don't use those right. <laughs> yeah, you don't use those, or you don't use them correctly. I don't use it correctly. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I. Literally was at the store, I don't know, within the last year. Okay. When I realized there's an actual coffee filter made to go in that little aluminum basket where your grounds go. You don't just take a regular one and put a pencil hole through it? That's what I do. <laughs> I never even used one. Oh. I just was like, well, I it guess. It just makes it easier, a little easier to clean up. I guess this thing, it's cowboyish, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know there was a filter made for that. I didn't know either. And yeah. so I've always had gritty coffee, yeah. like with the silt in the percolator. And and so I usually just, there's so many other methods now. I just use a different, I pour over or whatever. I got a little rubber collapsible pour over thing that I use yeah. in the AeroPress too. It's so good. Really well. So now it's just like, as much as it's a nostalgic way to make coffee with the percolator, it doesn't really, it just sort of boils your coffee, which yeah. is it's sort of, takes the flavor and ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I don't know who makes it, but I have a French press that's, uh, it's like a thermos. Mm-hmm. And so it's not fragile. You can carry it, right? Oh, that's and cool. Put it in, the, in whatever camping bin. Yeah. But it just essentially works just like a French press. Yeah. And a thermos keeps your coffee hot. And personally, I don't love a French press either because you end up again with like silty coffee. Yes, you do. So it's just not my favorite. It's okay. okay. It, I'll, I'll do it in a pinch. So anyway, that's all I've got for today's coffee, um, today's camp coffee, I should say. What are we drinking, though, by the way? Maybe you can at least mention that. Uh, got, so still one. drinking Three Stones, Three Stones Roasting. Um, he's got a new one uh, right now that he roasted. It's, it's Ethiopian, and it's called, uh, what did I say it was? I'm now, now I'm blanking. Goji? G-U-J-I. Guji. Guji. That's what Guji he called it, Guji. Yeah, yeah Guji. And it's real Guji. It is. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and um, the tasting notes of cane sugar. You said. Yeah. Let's see. I it's took good. a. I took a picture. Um, it's way better than a Starbucks. Um, their coffee's bitter, in I, my opinion. I gotta say, I'm. I'm getting. I'm getting uh, converted here. Hard, hard, like massively. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that's probably part of my problem too. Is that? Yeah. I don't always invest in the best coffee or beans. So yeah. My coffee experience is subpar and it's just and it's just coffee you know? yeah, like you may as well go with uban <laughs> but i did uh, so last time i was at costco i did buy a big bag of mm-hmm. some organic um whole mm-hmm. bean thing that i roast and now i just keep them all in a jar and so i i grind my own Wait, beans and stuff. you roast it or you grind it i grind it sorry okay. yeah yeah okay. i grind it so i i have i have always preferred grinding my own beans to a yeah. Pre-ground. So the tasting notes here for the Guji is tropical fruit, okay. cane sugar, green tea. Hmm. Yeah. Let me see here. And it and it should be noted that we both drink our coffee black. Yeah. Right? Well, now I do. I I go back and forth 
I I drank it black for years, mm-hmm. and I, honestly, I attribute this to I think audiobooks. Um, I was listening to an audiobook where the main character uh, drank it with coffee and sugar, and this is cream, just cream and sugar. Yeah, or I mean, cream and sugar. And I was like, huh. What's that? You know, you know, books were so suggestible, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try that, and so, uh, I, it's good. <laughs> it's tasty. Oh, after you had been drinking it black, yeah, and you're like, oh, cream and sugar. I'm that do sounds it. good, right? And and so I did, and which tastes delicious. Yeah. Um, but I did that for a while, and then I go. So I now kind of waffle back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. it just depends. Lately. Uh, through COVID, I've been kind of more black to like a black thing. And so I like black coffee. But what I have found is since I've been drinking um, quali- more quality beans, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've talked plenty about this, like the, I never really have ever considered myself a coffee snob. Yeah. But I'm realizing I'm turning into one pretty Becoming quickly. One. Yeah. And I'll still drink crappy coffee if I want some. But if I don't need coffee, I won't. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's like if you bring bust out your can of U Ban, I don't care. It's yeah. like go for it. Well, I'm not going to shame sure. you. You know, but uh, yeah, I would drink it with cream and sugar flavored creamers or whatever for years. Yeah. You know, um, and then dietary changes, and it's like I just got to the point of like, you know, I, I don't need extra sugar mm-hmm. in a thing. Um, yeah, and then my brother said something along the lines of just. Like, just give it two weeks. You won't like the taste, and then all of a sudden it'll be fine. Yeah. And that's how it is now. I just take a block. You know what I also have done recently is making my coffee less strong. Mm. So it's just, I think I was using so much coffee in my per serving thing mm-hmm. that it just was like sucker punch in the face, mm-hmm. you know, like the flavor, which if originally I thought, oh, I like that, right? Yeah. But once you start backing off your coffee, at least for me, you get more of those subtle flavors uh, because there's, you know, less coffee per, to, to water. And, and so you can, it just tastes different. Yeah. And so I've, I've been doing that too. Plus you use less coffee. So mm, I don't know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. The, uh, that grinder I was talking about, the producer Chad will put the link in for, it's uh, it's made by Firebox Stoves. Okay. So, they so make if it. you're not familiar with Firebox Stoves, check out some of their YouTubes. I it's think you might have watched one. I did. You got me watching it. A guy cooks his food and he makes awesome food on these things out in the middle yeah. of nowhere. The stoves are great, but he's up there like backpacking mm-hmm. or hiking in with his goats and his mm-hmm. and catching fish. And I think one the one I watched, he cooked a steak. And mm-hmm. it, the thing was like an inch and a half thick. It, yeah. it was just this beefy steak, huge thing. And uh, he had everything that he brought. It was like fancy. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. We talked about a little bit here about some of the types of uh, mechanisms to make coffee and the tools available. Maybe we do that sometime with stoves. Talk about yeah. all the different stoves. Cause yeah. I'd be into that. Watching him make what he makes on his stoves, mm-hmm. like it's an art and. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. That but could you be can a, also be super, just efficient and easy and lightweight, and a yeah. little jet boil or something similar to that style stove. So maybe we'll uh, that'll be a special edition of Camp Kitchen or something. Oh, that would be good. Kind of cool. Cool. All right. So that's been Camp Coffee today. Thanks for the coffee. Okay. So today uh, we've, we've today we've kind of been talking about some heavy stuff today. 
So life. I feel like I feel like we need some. We need to lighten it up a bit. Uh, so are we going fishing? <laughs> I would love to go fishing right now. You have no idea how badly I, I want. Still think everything's closed. Just ho- it, yeah. Mount Hood is closed. Yeah. Um. So anyway, you did get to the coast and did some salmon fishing um, during the evacuation mm-hmm. and in your search for some sort of you know, cleaner air, uh, which wasn't there, but that's where you ended up. It was a little cleaner. So, so you, you did some fishing. I would love to hear you talk about it. Oh, I'll talk fishing. How, how long you got? This episode's going <laughs> to, what are we going for a four hour <laughs> right. Joe Rogan right. experience? Yeah, we, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Um, right. Yeah. So I got to go down to the coast, uh, evacuated to a buddy's place. He, he lives in Pacific City right on the Nestucca. So we were able to yeah. Jump down there. I was able to jump down there and, and great, you know, a couple episodes ago we talked about I got a camper, so I've been dialing that system in and Right. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Smoky air. Mm-hmm. Um but early it must have been last month mm-hmm. since we talked cuz I think it was in August. Mm-hmm. I I had a summer camp that I taught through the the college that I teach at and I just mm-hmm. taught straight from the camper all day. And so I got this sort of mobile office that I can take anywhere. And <laughs> That's awesome. I got sol- full solar power in there, can charge everything and work, and can get to somewhere with internet or Wi-Fi. So I taught from one of the schools here in town mm-hmm. the entire week. It was great. and just had a mobile office. And then I went down to the coast and can take my take a laptop, work from anywhere. You know, fortunately, I work for myself, and I can do that from wherever I am. And mm-hmm. just boondocked right in his driveway, plugged into Shore Power, and had... Sweet. Power for charged computers and stuff like that, phone. Mm-hmm. And I got a, a little deal called a Skyrim. Chad, you, you got that? He's giving me the thumbs yeah, up. He's got that it. link for the link show notes. But a uh, device called Skyrim, and it's basically like mm, cell phone companies used to make the little mobile hotspot devices. Yeah. This one has a no contracts, pays you go, fairly inexpensive for the device itself. Mm-hmm. And that's worked pretty well. So I can work from that thing too. So you do pay. Like for a subscription, yeah. So I have a monthly unlimited plan, okay. which which is pretty reasonable, um, and it's kind of like uh, I live in the country, so I have satellite internet there, and it's kind of that sort of same sort of a deal where you get unlimited capacity and bandwidth for whatever twenty forty gigs or whatever okay. it is, and then it's still unlimited, but it's tethered, yeah, and so or throttled, I guess throttled is the back. word, throttled back, so sure. the speeds. But I've I've had it for almost a month, and I've used 10, 15, 10 gigs or so, but I've been pretty conservative in, in per, the use of like it. Like each month or like it's a monthly subscription? It's a monthly of, deal, So, you, but okay, there's yeah. no contract or anything yeah. like that. So I just take that thing, and it's awesome and mm-hmm. gives me internet wherever we are. We I think we um, we didn't have it when we went down to work from the coast, but uh, anywhere mm-hmm. you have cell phone service, you can have internet, which is nice. So yeah, work from there, uh, did something for some clients, kind of prepped up, getting ready for school to start here in a few weeks, and... Did some salmon fishing. That was good. One morning we got into four fish, so wow. that was awesome. I gave you some, yes, a part of one of them, and uh, oh. it was a Jack Chinook. Uh, Dude, it really was incredible. Like you showed up, and you have no idea. Like when we were talking on the phone, like I was like, should I ask him for some fish? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. And I'm like, I don't have time. This is before when it was this when we were talking when I was on my way back. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, and you had said, oh yeah, I got some lingcod, I got some salmon, I got some crab. We did all this stuff, and I'm just like, my mouth is watering just talking about <laughs> it, you know. And and you showed up. You just came and you brought some. Yeah. 
and you have no idea. Like that, that was a, you gave me joy. Oh, that's awesome. So good. That night we feasted. That's rad. Yeah, I gave you guys, we we got some crab. So we caught a couple of fish and spent a lot of time on the Nasaka, uh, mm-hmm. patrolling that fishery there, caught a few fish. And mm-hmm. then one day I actually got to go out on a dory. I'd never been on a dory. And Dude. I launched right there on the beach and like holding the boat. There was a gal there, photographer, mm-hmm. actually turns out she lives in North Carolina and she was just huh. visiting, but she had this big camera taking pictures. It's super yeah. foggy down there. It's not smoky, but it was foggy while we were down there. Okay. Like the lights are on on the boat and we're standing there in the surf holding the boat to make sure it doesn't get turned around while yeah. Buddy goes up and grabs the rig. And so I emailed her and hopefully she'll give me some pictures of some point because i'd so, like to have those i forgot my camera i took the camera case but the camera wasn't <laughs> no in, camera it. in it camera was in the so for camper. people that don't know what a dory boat is um can you kind of like walk us through what the boat looks like how you launch them oh man and the whole experience mm. going out I and am coming back by no means an expert but here's what i know so this dory was a i think it was a hand-built 1972 boat mm. that, that uh my friend got and um it's, I asked him, we're talking about it, it's uh, fiberglass over wood. Okay. So the front of it can take can take waves up to like 10 feet. So the front is angled up and pointed kind of like a drift boat, mm-hmm. in front of a drift boat. Sure. And then the back is kind of more of a standard transom of a boat okay. where the motor is. And it could take waves up to like six feet. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of like an ocean-going drift boat. Is that correct? That like, would be a fair way to put it. That's, yeah. how, I, that's how I've always thought of them. Sure. Because they're flat bottom. Is that correct? Is that right? Uh, yeah, flat-ish. Pretty, pretty flat. flat-ish bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but it you're not rowing, obviously. Right, you're right. Rowing, but it's got a trolling motor on the back, yeah. board, and full electronics, navigation, GPS, all the stuff, which is great because so foggy, you get out there. Yeah. We had to mark our crab pots, and then we went out and fished for sea bass and lingcod. And, uh, awesome. Followed the, got to the points on the waypoints on the markers, got to the area of like, they should be here somewhere. Just couldn't see them. Like, <laughs> you couldn't see much of anything. The visibility wow. was super low. Wow. But it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm, I was life jacketed up the whole time because I'm out in the ocean and it, we're fishing like 50 feet. I don't know how far yeah. offshore we were. But, uh, kitchen sea bass is super fun. I could see how people could be into bass fishing. I've never really, Mm-hmm. fish for bass much but it's really similar to that right like you're jigging these little plastics and yeah. getting them down to the bottom and kind of working them and huh. and then this super lightweight bite for these sea bass and then you pull them up and they're like you know they're probably foot and a half to three feet you know good Jeez. good fish but you don't get a ton of meat off them oh, so really? we filleted them all up and not like the 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 lingcod the lingcod i caught, I caught yeah. was uh 32 pounds 32 pounds. 32 pounds. Yeah, I was guessing 40, but I was a little light. 30, 32 pounds. Oh, my God. Got a ton of meat off of that. Um, but it actually, I was fishing for sea bass, caught a greenling, and then the lingcod ate, ate. ate and cl- chomped onto the greenling that Dude. I caught. So as I'm reeling it up, yeah. I'm not hooked into the lingcod. Like, I'm hooked into this other fish, and it was it was crazy. And so the lingcod was never hooked. No, it was. I don't. I don't know the detail details on. I'm. I'm. I wasn't the captain of the ship. <laughs> you so know, the, did, I don't know the the detail specs on the regulations regarding. What. Well, I don't think that's illegal. Okay. Um. I'm. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not because it's you. You have zero. It's not like a snag and it's yeah. not like snagging a salmon yeah. sort of a deal or something. Yeah, because like essentially that would be like catching a fish by hand, right? Yeah. It's like, is that a, even illegal? I don't. I don't know. Like, even if it is illegal, uh. That's pretty ama- amazing. 
<laughs> like yeah, if you can catch a fish without yeah i just like it. to be aware of regular sure. especially like being aware of regulations yeah. and following the following the rules and regulations right. is important to me um but out there doing this activity yeah. that i'd never done yeah yeah um, yeah and that sort of a thing happening. But we actually, yeah. then he's like, throw that green limb back out there. See if you can catch another one. So it's like, <laughs> you got a live bait yeah. fish on that you're yeah, using to catch right. another one. So, okay. So that's a question. No, I know that live bait's legal for tuna. So it seems like it would yeah. be fine. Um, the, I guess my question was, how do you keep this thing from just spitting the greenling out? And then, oh, it had, it had it in its mouth all yeah. the way up to the boat. Yeah. And then my buddy gaffed it. Gaffed it. Gaffed okay. It. I was wondering how you did that. Yeah, gaffed it, brought it in the boat. Gotcha. And, but it was massive. It was a big fish. Ton of sea bass. It was super fun. It was a great day of fishing. And you're and you're on you're on high alert. Like you gotta be paying attention to the fishing. Mm. You're also gotta you're in the ocean, you can't see anything. There's some other boats. We saw kayakers out there. So we weren't too far Crazy. offshore. I mean we were Yeah. Couldn't we have been were, that far. No, less within a mile or something yeah. like that. But yeah. it was just an awesome experience. So we Kayakers. launched the boat, went out there, and then we're fishing. And the fishing stuff is kind of fairly straightforward, right? Like you're yeah. fishing, same principles apply with everything else. And right. you catch fish, and he had the right equipment. It was super fun. And we were going for, I think the limit was seven sea bass for, per person. We ended up with 15 of them. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get that. But we got like three lingcod, and I think those are two per person. So we didn't limit. But then we got a bunch of crab, too. Pulled the crab pots, Man. jumbo crab, came back. It, it was like a couple out, good couple hours of processing mm-hmm. meat and cleaning and, and taking care of all that stuff. And so how long do you think you were out, like when you launched and then came back in, how long were you we out? We launched fishing? probably about 7.30. We came back in maybe 11.30, so oh, four half hours, a half a day. Yeah, okay. it was just a morning. Oh, man. Because, you know. That's like really said, good was, for just it half was a, a day. It was a Monday, so it was like, we, I have work to do. This guy has work to do. You sure. Know? Check an email while we're out there. That's a nice thing about <laughs> work these days is I that know. you know you can you can you can work from anywhere. Yeah, um, I I can work from anywhere, and I'm fortunate. And the camper helps with that, and mm-hmm. friends being able to go fishing. But then coming back in on the dory, right? So we're we're yeah. watching the we're watching the electronics. Okay, and we can see. Okay, we should be pretty close to the shore. Like it should be right there, but we couldn't see it. We were probably fifty feet away. Couldn't see it. No like, way. We can hear waves crashing. Excuse me. We can hear waves crashing. They're like, oh, it's like oh, we're holding on. My buddy's like, hold on to something, you know, because at any point, when he figures out where the waves are, we were maybe in two feet of water, three feet of water, right? You oh, got to, and the waves are crashing. Yeah. You got to just, we came in at high tide, so you don't have much area to work with, right? You don't have okay. a whole bunch of beach. dry packed areas. Sure. Beach right up to soft sand, the high tide line. And so then we see, we see the waves. We can hear the wave. First we can hear the waves and we can see the waves. And like he's blowing the horn, making sure that nobody's in the way or other boats or yeah. surfers or whatever. Yeah. And then we finally see the waves crest, cresting and crashing. And can see the shore, and he's like, "Hold on!" Just jams it up under the sand, dude. And, uh, and then we all hop out, and like it's immediately like sp- hold the boat, yeah. And so that he can come in, he can run up, get the truck, drive it down to where we are. We were fairly close, but we weren't like we pulled right up. It wasn't like we could see the truck and pull right up to it. So right. we had to go find the truck, yeah. Come down with the truck, use a, a tow strap <laughs> to pull the boat up out of the the surf so uh-huh. it's kind of on hard packed sand so uh-huh. we can we can get it on the trailer and then it gets it we get it hooked and just like you do with any boat on trailer right we get, yeah. the, get it hooked and we go to start reeling it and i could see that his toe his, his strap on the on the wheel that pulls it up to the the trailer was like frayed a little bit 
And that's one of those things, you know, that I'm conscious of, no matter if that strap is brand new. Right, right. That, like, you got a lot of tension on this, but yep. when I see a frayed strap, so I'm looking the other direction, right? And yeah. I pull it, and it snaps. It did, really? It snapped. Yeah, so I'm looking the other way. The boat wasn't up onto the trailer yet, or it didn't have tension. It was just starting to pull it out of the sand and oh get it, gosh. arc it up onto the trailer. Snaps, and so we're like, ah. And so my buddy kind of grabs it, tries to pull it through something. Like I, I'm like, let me just tie a water knot. So I tie a water knot through the webbing, you know, mm-hmm. overhand that kind of loops itself back through it. And mm-hmm. and then was able to, we were able to use that to get it up. And on to the, but it was, it was chaotic for a while. Boats are, trucks and boats and trailers are stuck in the sand. Yeah. It was hectic. So, so, and that's the thing that I, you know, I had, I had, I have seen dory boats, uh, you know, coming in. I've never really seen them launch, but I've seen them come in and a friend of mine has, uh, his grandpa has a dory Mm -hmm. boat. He runs out of Pacific city also. And, and so. I never thought of this until the other day we were talking about it. And he goes, no, you launch them backwards. And then you have to spin them. Spin them. Without having disaster strike, right? And they're fairly easy to turn. But yeah. you're talking about a, a fairly long boat, mm-hmm. right? Aren't they about 20 feet? It was probably 20 feet or so. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> and you're in the Oregon coast water. So yeah. most people are wearing waders, right? We're wearing right? waders, yeah. And, and so, but just thinking about that, launching a boat that, you know, is heavy with surf. He's trying to explain it to me beforehand, before we go. And I'm like, I just can't envision it. I've yeah. never yeah. watched it, never seen it. Right. And so get down there. It's actually quite easy to spin it. Like you're mm-hmm. not in quicksand. It's not, you're sinking. You can stand there pretty easily. And mm-hmm. it, it spins very easily. Like you have the buoyancy. Yeah. Right. And then once you get it in, then you spin it. And then somebody's got to go park the, the rig yeah. and then come back. And then it's like, and you're just pushing out, there waiting. get up to your waist, fire the boat, jump in. So, yeah. So there's kind of a coordinated effort. Yeah. You really need to trust who you're with. Yeah. Um, I just think about like outfitters that would take people. Mm, mm-hmm. That's got to be a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it's a crapshoot who your clients might be. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. And we're going to be going to the, the coast in a couple of weeks. So yeah. I don't know if we'll get on a dory, but we'll, I'm sure we'll find some I'm forage or seafood or something. Yeah, you know? we, we got to have some. Every time I go to the coast, uh, Amy is cool. With with understanding, because she does not love seafood, mm. uh, she knows that I'm like, hey, I need I need to get some fresh seafood. Yeah, and and you know, it's like we are very very spoiled here in the Northwest. I'm not super crazy. Like I don't feel like I have to find salmon sealhead. I always eat that as I catch it, or it's given to me. And it's yeah. like I'm opportunistic on that because it happens often enough. Yeah, and it's the other stuff that I don't get. So like mm. the crabs and yeah. like any sort of shellfish or that kind of thing. Um, is just, I'm like, oh, I'm all about it. Yeah, we should be good because Monday they open up for razor clams again. And oh, so I'll, we'll take some guns. Yeah. I have a I have a goal to do like a- What caliber of gun to use for a razor clam? I don't know. They're my brothers. We're just going to stop and pick them up. <laughs> but uh, I have a goal, and I don't know, we probably won't do this trip, but to do like a coastal mm-hmm. fishing triathlon, which would be nice. one day to get a limit of crab, oh. get a limit of razor clams- I guess there'd be four things. Limited crab, razor clams, surf perch, oh, and also uh, mussels. Because you can get the California mussels, pull them right off the rock. I don't know yeah, if the ones that have the purplish shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 those are great. So there's really? a good spot right by where Never we're going to go. 
Yeah. So we'll definitely do that. That's so, the easiest one. You just take some buckets. Yeah. So throw those, those on the- I didn't realize that that's what that was. Mm-hmm. Huh. Like when you go to restaurants, they're probably a different variety, but sure. the ones that we have here at the yeah. Oregon Coast, those bluish, yeah. purple sort of ones with the fatty orange meat, they mm-hmm. steam up really well. Yeah, those are good. And so you just pull them right off the rock. So you go low tide and get to an exposed area and they're abundant, right? And I think the oh, limit wow. is like 48 per person per day. So the four <laughs> of us- funny. 200. I, I Last time I went down and got them, brought I, a whole bunch back, steamed them, and then yeah. chucked them, and then vacuum sealed them. Yeah. So then I could just, because that's what I do with most everything. That's what I ended up doing with a lot of this fish. I mm-hmm. had a crab feed, because we probably had eight crabs, so Corey and I probably ate four of them, and then yeah. I gave you- You gave you, me one and a half. You one and a half, and I yeah. gave the guy up at the, the post place, the mailbox place, gave him a- one and That's a half, cool. and but I took most of the meat mm-hmm. from the sea bass and the lingcod and the salmon, mm-hmm. and I smoked it all. That's awesome. So I have that the smoked sea bass. I didn't eat a bunch of it because I was uh, finished it, did it overnight, and mm-hmm. it was like breakfast time. The smoke. I'm not quite that European enough to eat smoked fish for breakfast. I love me <laughs> smoked canned fish, yeah. uh, shellfish right. of any type, but I just tried it. So Dude. sea bass is good. Smoked some lingcod. Have some of that. We'll have that tonight. But it was a. A great trip. And you were talking about, uh, you know, how happy you were when I shared it with mm-hmm. you. And I was talking with Cora. So There's a couple of these activities in life yeah. that I enjoy from start to finish. Like mm. the entire process. Yeah. Everything is joy-filled for different reasons, right? Photography is one of them. Mm-hmm. I love being in a place. I love processing images. I love sharing images, printing images, publishing images, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So photography is one. Seafood and fishing is another one. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy the activity of doing it. Yeah. I enjoy, to whatever extent you can, the processing and the cleaning and preparing it right. and the smoking it. But probably the thing that I enjoy the most about it is mm-hmm. is that ab- abundance, uh, having enough and so much where it feels like, oh, who can I share this with? Yeah, totally. You know, I want to share. It's kind of like our gardens right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have... You have it with eggs, but we have it also mm-hmm. like with gardens going off right now. We're in right. the time of year where we have so much tomatoes, <laughs> yeah. so many tomatoes, zucchini, right? So it's like right. you can't pick it fast enough, right. no. and then you got to give it away everywhere. And so that right. joy of just sharing that abundance with other people mm-hmm. and the appreciation that people have is awesome. So I think yeah. that's probably one of my favorite things is the giving it away, but I enjoy all of those, the entire process through gardening similar, you know, yeah. the planting, the the. the the watering, the taking care of the crop, the the collecting mm-hmm. it and then sharing it and making stuff is just awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Thing. That's so. awesome. It was a good time. First time out on a door. I'll see if we get some pictures. Maybe Man. put those up on the yeah. Instagram when yeah. we do. That would be good. So we got Instagram, right? Yep. So we're at Breaking Camp Podcast there. We also yeah. have a website that uh, yep. producer Chad has been killing it on, Job working Chad. a lot of hours. Part-time coder, developer over there, <laughs> and just head down in the computer. But yeah, we have a, a website we've been working on, uh, breakingcamp.life. Is Breakingcamp.life, yep. Awesome. So you can so, go there, check it out, find, you can see like who are these guys, you know, read a mm-hmm. little bit about us. and mm-hmm. uh, But also you can listen to all the episodes, past episodes. Um, so we have a half dozen or so of them up there now, mm-hmm. um, but we'll soon be launching officially. So if you have had the joy of listening to this you must know us because yeah. that's the only that's way you find the only, this thing. and if you're hanging on this far this deep Whoa. into the episode we're either friends or we need to be yeah right you're committed <laughs> so 
or yeah, you must be really bored. Or bored. So, yeah. but that's great. Yeah, this is the, our longest episode to date. Uh, yeah. uh, we're over an hour, but also oh, we just kind of freeformed it a little yeah. bit. Uh, yeah. So I thought, right. I, I feel like the conversation went fairly well. We'll see how it listens when we actually hear it. But it's sure. been good just kind of, because we talk a lot about uh, the f- just how we're going to do this thing and what it is. But then a lot of our best conversations and dialogues happen when we aren't recording. I know. It's like, hey, There'll we should record. <laughs> things in between. Just the <laughs> yeah. random directions we go and the stuff yeah. we talk about that's, that's life that is yeah. camp and outdoor related. But it, mm-hmm. all of this stuff is just so connected. And right. um, it is, like you were saying, a tough time now um, in yeah. our world, um, yeah. locally, nationally, world, all around the world, right? The pandemic. uh mm-hmm economic circumstances but then our fires so yep. you know it's just i i want to maybe maybe i'll just start out with our first thanks is to producer chad but also you know firefighters uh neighbors people that are mm-hmm. being good neighbors people that are looking out for other people volunteers mm-hmm. first responders supporters right people mm-hmm. that that share resources um Maybe we'll put this up a link in the the podcast as well. There's a, a Google document that I came across, which is a curated list of all of a lot of these GoFundMe pages right. for people that have lost their yeah. lost everything. Right. So right. we had a minor inconvenience in the fact that we had to pack up and maybe we had right. to go, but there are people that have lost everything they have. So you know whether exactly. people uh, give financially or, or serve otherwise, mm-hmm. it's it's a great opportunity to be the kind of people we want to be in this world and. And it's it's a nice treat when you can look around and see people doing that collectively. Right. Yeah. It is. It is refreshing to see in the midst of all the tragedy, uh, community is alive and well, and people want to just help out. And it's like we we saw the whole um, the whole scope of humanity during all this. We saw the great parts of them and the and the, and the really ugly parts too. But um, it what's what's really overwhelming is the is the sense that people really do care and they want to come back together as a community they want to help uh each other in need and support each other so that that's very encouraging to me and uh it's it helps endure through just the tough times mm-hmm. that we're going through so yeah i want to echo that thanks for thanks for who you are if you're out there and you're helping people maybe you were one that helped evacuate animals or 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 maybe you're housing them uh, thanks for doing that. That makes a difference, and and uh, it just is the simple things that make make the biggest impact in in the world. Yeah, if you've uh, been out there doing something, you know we we know people don't do that for uh, the applause or the um, mm-hmm. the recognition. But you know, if you shoot us a note or an email or something, maybe we'll shoot you out a, a sticker. Yeah, breaking camp sticker. podcast sticker. Do we have stickers yet? Not quite, but they're, they're on their way. And, they're and, and honestly, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to email us anyway. <laughs> but if you do, if I would you love do, it. We'll be like, oh, 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 oh check the it's, inbox. It's going to give us a reason to get these stickers printed. We got there the we got the logo, the yeah. design, all of it going on. So you can email us yeah. at breaking camp podcast yeah. at gmail dot com. We'll have some new emails coming up soon, but yep. uh, that's the one you can do for now. And yep. Maybe there's something that we talked about that resonates with you or a short story you want to share with us or uh, maybe there's things you want us to talk more about or less, you know. <laughs> might be like enough with the uh, you know, garage sale talk. <laughs> yeah, or I don't know. Enough talk about passes. I don't need any more fees or permits or nothing. Like I just want to go uh, do my stuff. Shut up over there. Yeah. Email us. Send us a note. Love to hear from you. Yeah. So Hey, it's good hanging out with you guys. We'll see you next time. All right. Take it easy. Take care.